I think many of you know that uh, my father-in-law passed away a couple of weeks ago, and Chris and Nikki and I have been in the Boise area celebrating his life this last week. And uh, thank you so much for your prayers and all of the love. Uh, it's been a tough week, but at the same time, we have seen the goodness of God. We have seen the goodness of God. My father-in-law, Tito, many of you know him. He was a great man who loved God with all of his heart. Uh, starting around age 60, he gave his life to the mission field. He was a missionary in Mexico. And right up until the day he died, he was investing his life in people. And we celebrated. We partied. And we cried our eyes out. And all of the things. But uh, we, we appreciate all of your prayers. And I hope you'll indulge me in the next few weeks. I'll probably be sharing lots of stories. Uh, we had some extraordinary extraordinary experiences and uh, we felt the we felt the kisses of heaven through the whole thing so God is good amen you know he's good you know he's good all right Kelly is going to be teaching this morning but before she does I just want to give you a little bit of a recap and an update especially if you weren't here with us last Sunday we are on week two of a very short three-week message series which is actually part two of our previous message series, it's gotten very convoluted. So we are in part two, week two. Does that make sense to anybody's brain? And uh, we, are, we are talking in these three weeks about empowered people fishing. And last week at the end of my talk, I invited you to join me for three weeks of fasting. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because Jesus said you're not supposed to make a big deal about fasting, all right? But I, I just, in case you weren't here last week, I want to invite you to join those of us who are fasting. If you've never fasted before, if you don't know what that is, what fasting is, traditionally it's going without food for a period of time so that you can take the time that you would normally spend preparing food, eating food, cleaning up your food, Take that time to spend it in the presence of the Lord instead of eating. And, uh, and, and just uh, the, the purpose of fasting is we're seeking transformation. And specifically in this fast, we're asking for transformation so we can see people the way Jesus sees people. And, uh, and, and, and I gave you a couple of options also last week about how you could fast. You could fast from social media if that's something that you spend a lot of time on. We had some kids at Connect who decided they wanted to fast along with us, and they're fasting their morning video game time. And uh, a mom sent me a picture of their boys in their bedroom fasting their video game time, reading the Bible out loud to one another, and the most extraordinary thing happened. Day one, Monday, Jesus spoke to those boys through the scriptures. So, so listen, fasting is effective. And, and my whole life, I have hated fasting because I love food too much, but, um, but I, I'm being obedient to what I feel is the call of God on my heart, and I want to invite you to join me. I'm fasting lunches. Now, this week with the funeral and everything, I, I fell off the fasting wagon a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to be back on track starting tomorrow. I'm fasting lunches, and I'm spending my lunch hour in the presence of the Lord and, and seeking transformation. Uh, I also got a message from uh, some adults that are joining me on the lunch fast. Uh, somebody texted me, an adult, and said they're fasting video games as well. So whatever you want to do, if you want to join me, we're praying. I, I just want to give a quick recap. Here's, here's three 
reasons why we fast. The first one is this. Fasting changes your vision. You begin to see your circumstances more like Jesus sees them. Number two, fasting prioritizes your time. I have to tell you, the few days this last week that I fasted lunch, it was rich time with, with Jesus. And that prioritized time changes things. And then this is the biggest one that I want you to hear today. Fasting isn't a means of manipulating God. We're not going without food or going without whatever to say, God, see, I'm suffering, so you give me what I want. Okay, that, that's not what fasting is. It, it's a means of transformation. And so last week I asked you to have a very specific prayer. It was Jesus, empower me to love people better. This week our fasting prayer is this, and it's not on the screen, so you might have to write quick. Our prayer is Jesus, empower me to speak your words to people who need you. Empower me, Jesus, to speak your words to people who need you. So, again, if you weren't with us last week, quick recap, and then I'm going to hand it off. This series, these three weeks, we're asking the question, are we fishing for people the way Jesus went fishing for people? My experience has been that a lot of Christians fish for people with a lot of guilt and condemnation and preaching, and, and we're missing some of the ways Jesus really impacted people and drew him to himself. And so uh, we're, we're, we're talking about a bunch of different things. Uh, and, and this week, Chris and Nikki and I just decided we're going to practice while we're on this trip to, to go to a funeral. Um, and we've just been paying attention to opportunities that we have well, last week I taught on love. So this week we just tried to love on people effectively. Can I just tell you a quick story? Uh, we were in Red Robin on Thursday night. Thursday was the day of the funeral. Uh, one of my dearest friends, Jay Taylor, missionary to Africa, had come to the funeral, which that's a whole other story in itself. I just, I couldn't believe that he came to this, this funeral. So Friday night we went to Red Robin with Jay. And uh, five of us are sitting around a table, and our, service com our server comes to take our, our order for drinks. And, and she introduces herself, and, and she's standing at the end of the table, and she's got big, big tattoos all over the place. And across her neck, she's got the tattoo that says in, in, in big, uh, what are those letters called, those gothic letters? Big on her, on her neck, it says, Grace. And Chris is the first one to jump into, this is an opportunity to start a spiritual conversation, right? Chris grabs the ball and, and she says, Katie, what does the word grace mean? Is that a name of somebody or is that for the grace of God? <laughs> Boom, we're in, right? And Katie says, it's the grace of God. And Chris says, that's awesome. I said, we love Jesus too. And, 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 and it just started a whole conversation. And, and, and we were telling her, you know, we were complimenting on her on her tattoos. And she shared with us, someday my dream is to open a tattoo parlor that is full of light instead of a tattoo parlor that's full of darkness. And so we just encouraged her and affirmed her. And it was an awesome opportunity to just love on somebody and have a spiritual conversation with a sinner. Not a sinner with a stranger. Not the same. I'm glad I caught myself. 
Now, Katie was already a Christian. Katie was already a Christian, so we didn't, we didn't, where I was going was we didn't lead her in the sinner's prayer, right? Which isn't necessarily the goal. I shared with you last week, the goal is to plant seeds, plant seeds, plant seeds. And you're a successful people fisher if you just plant seeds. So would you join me in, in learning how to plant seeds and then ask God to open doors? How can I love people? These are our three topics. These are the strategies Jesus used. How can I love people? How can the Spirit empower me to love people? How can I prophesy to people? That's today's topic. Prophecy is just speaking God's words to somebody who needs to hear them. We've made it a really big, scary thing, but it's just speaking to people what God is saying. And you know, I say this all the time, God is always, always speaking, right? So if you can hear him speak, you can share it. I can share it with a girl with a tattoo of grace on her, on her throat. And then next week I'll be sharing about the, the art and skill of listening. Jesus did this so well. It was his strategy. Now listen, when we do these, these three things well, and they go together, when we do these three things well, love, prophecy, and listening, do you know what's going to happen to the people you interact with? They're going to get healed. Do you know that there are so many people in this world that are full of pain, and the heart of Jesus is to heal them? Got real quiet. You know it's true, right? I'm kind of blah, blah, blahing. Here's why we're doing this in the middle of August. Three weeks of training for people fishing. Well, the first reason is because I believe Jesus is calling us to be a church that's really good at people fishing. So we're raising the bar, and, and instead of preaching feel-good sermons for three weeks, we're actually training you how to go people fishing. I hope you learned some things about how to love people effectively last week. Kelly's going to teach you about how to prophesy to people today. But the other reason is because on August 25th, there's an event at MSU called Catapalooza. It's an event in which uh, Bozeman welcomes students to MSU, and we're going to have a booth, and we're going to have the opportunity to have spiritual conversations with people at Catapalooza. So I shared this last week, and before Kelly comes, JD is going to come to tell you how you can get involved in our outreach at Catapalooza. So JD, the floor is yours, and then Kelly, on to you. All right, thank you, Russ. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm gonna do just a real quick little interactive participation for you guys, just to get a visual of what, what uh, the vision is for Catapalooza. So I'm gonna ask some questions. You're gonna raise your hand and keep it, into the, keep it in the air until the end, okay? So question number one, have you ever been a college student? Yes. Raise your hand and keep it up, okay? Do you know a college student? Okay, a couple more hands up. And uh, have you been a college student? Did I do that? Then, uh, no, I had three questions. Were you a college student? Are you a college student? Do you know a college student? Okay, there we go. I got it mixed up in my head. I had it written down on my phone, and there's a reason for that. So there's a lot of hands in the air right now, and that's because a lot of us have either been in college 
or we know people who have been in college. And so this is really important to connect church and to our body that we have the opportunity to minister to these students who most of them are like fresh out of high school graduation, right? And they're, they're going on to their next step in life. And a lot of them are going to be from out of state, and they're looking for a place where they can call home, where they can find their next place in their life. And what better way to start that off than with an interaction with one of us at a booth to tell them about Jesus, right? So that's what we're going to be there for. We're going to be serving uh, donuts. That's going to be our bait for our people fishing because it is literally a flow like a river, and we got to get them to stop at us somehow. So we're going to have donuts to incentivize them, and then we're going to have conversations with them, empowered conversations with them, so that they can have an encounter with Jesus. And that is our heart, our vision for Catapalooza. Uh, and we've been doing all of this build-up for this exact reason because we are a church who does what we preach, right? We don't just come and sit in seats and listen, and then the rest of the week we just go back to our normal everyday lives, right? We are putting into practice literally at Catapalooza. Uh, so you can help me by helping at the event, uh, either physically there during the Catapalooza hours of 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. We've divided it into uh, four sections, okay? So the first section will be for our setup team. There's a whole booth Fixed it. Four sections, y'all. Set up because we have a booth. We have all kinds of stuff that we have to do to make it look nice and presentable so that they want to stop. Second, for the first half of the 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift, the second half of the 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift, and then tear down. Now, all of these roles are very essential, so maybe you don't have the time to come on a Friday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. because you work, uh, but maybe you're able to come early to help set up, to help unload, to help unpack. Uh, registration is as early as 7 a.m., so if you are available to help set up, uh, or if you have a trailer or anything like that, you can sign up through the app. Uh, we haven't talked about the app, but it, you, if you need to come talk to me about how to sign up for that, in the app, in the more section, signups, Catapalooza, right there. You can sign up for setup, teardown, or a time during the event itself. We're flexible with it. We need 30 people to make this happen. If you, 30, we need 30 people to make this happen. I need 30 people to make this happen. <laughs> and. And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's good. At first, I thought you guys couldn't hear me because I'm, I'm just doing it this morning. But it looks like there's a lot more than 30 people in this room. So I think we can make this happen, okay? Um, so if you are as excited about this as I am, please come talk to me if you have any questions. Sign up in the app, sign up in the app, sign up in the app, because today and next week are the last opportunities that I have to assemble my team, because on Thursday before the event, we're going to have a dinner here at Connect Church in the back room, uh, and we're going to give you guys all of the necessary information uh, in terms of what the event is going to look like, any uh, extra time stuff, like if you guys have details you want to share with us. Uh, and then also we can get down to the nitty-gritty of the sanitation stuff for the donuts that we'll be serving, okay? Otherwise, thank you so much for giving me the chance to share our vision with you guys, and I hope to team up with all of you. Thank you. Well, good morning. 
I'm going to pray, and you're going to be glad I did. Jesus, we just invite you in. I, I, I love to challenge people, and I'm having to challenge myself lately. Sometimes when we pray, we, do, we don't think of the words we're using. Listen, Jesus is a just God, but he's not just God. So when we pray, don't say, we just want. Oh, Jesus, if you would just. No. Holy Spirit, move in this house today. We invite you to have your way. I ask that a spirit of prophecy, this, this gift uh, of prophecy, would begin to flow. We're going to stir the waters a little bit, and we're going we're gonna to have fun with you, Holy Spirit, because you are always speaking. Give us courage. Give us clarity. Thank you. I had this incident happen uh, this week. Every, uh, every day, I have my reminders in my phone set to, as most of us, okay, maybe you don't, but I'm, I have to have reminders. And one of those is to pray for my nephew with autism. He also struggles with epilepsy. He's 23. And um, he is verbal, but we keep believing for more. And so every day, there's a reminder that comes up in my phone that says, pray for Wyatt. And I've been praying for Wyatt for, I don't know, two, three years, every morning, every time it hits my phone. And a few days back, I got the reminder, and I was like, God, are you really listening to me? <laughs> I mean, I... <clears throat> I continue to pray, um, but is it making a difference? You know, I just don't know sometimes, but still I'm going to lift Wyatt up to you because I know that there is a breakthrough coming, a healing coming into Wyatt's life and over it. So I'm going to keep contending. But I just got to tell you, because listen, you can be honest with God. He already knows anyways. <laughs> You're not fooling him. Like you go through the motions, you think he doesn't know, he knows. So you might as well just get real with God. Uh, and so anyway, that was it. That was, my, that was my encounter. And it was probably a couple of uh, hours later, and I received a text from his mother, and the text read, from Wyatt. And I said, I just questioned it. Because, well, come to find out, <clears throat> Wyatt had come up to her and said, I want to text, and this is, this is huge for Wyatt. He said, I want to text Auntie Kelly Hostetter. So that text was from Wyatt. Now, Wyatt may not have known why he texted me. Sometimes when we move in the prophetic, we don't understand it. But what it said very clearly to me from God was, I am listening. That is an encounter with the prophetic. Prophetic gets a really bad rap. We're going to talk about it today. And here's, here's the deal. Um, I, I, I want to just go back just a little bit. Last week, Pastor Russ talked about Luke 6, 17, and 19. And it was where, you know, all of the, the crowds of people came and they were gathered around Jesus. 
And it says at the very end, it says the entire crowd in verse 19 eagerly tried to come near Jesus to touch him to receive healing because a tangible supernatural power emanated from him and healed all those who came close to him. And I got to look in, into this. And what I learned was that word healed in the Greek refers to both a physical and a spiritual healing. So is it possible, this was what went through my mind, is it possible that as people came into the presence of this Jesus, that they actually got saved? I think so. Now, Jesus, I mean, he was God manifest, of course, but he, had, he left us with this assignment, right? Our gospel assignment is to lead others to faith in Jesus. He's their only hope. And Jesus' presence in you and in me is what leads to that spiritual, that salvation healing. But if you never open your mouth, how are people going to see the Jesus in you? Yes, we can do things in love and, and action. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there are times where, and I'm sure we can all look back on our, on our, in our lives and we could say, oh yeah, totally had an opportunity there, missed out on that one. Well, that's what we're talking about today. And here's, here's my conviction. My conviction is that the prophetic, and I'm going to get into the definition so you can just sit there scared for a minute. The prophetic has to start with you and me. It's really difficult to give what you don't have. So we're going we're gonna to do this in a little bit of a progression. We're going to start with who God is, and then we're going to go into who we are with him in us. Okay, so relational God. Um, Jesus, as we know, so just hang with me. Jesus was God incarnate. In, in other words, he was God in skin. He actually still is. He still has skin. He rose. He didn't die and decay. So he actually still has skin. That's why he still identifies with you and me. Did you ever think about that? Kind of interesting. And you know, he said this, he said uh, in John 5:19, he said, he said, Jesus said, I speak to you eternal truth. The son is unable to do anything from himself or through his own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing. For the son does the same works as his father. So in other words, if Jesus did it, father was demonstrated through it. He demonstrated what it was before Holy Spirit ever hit the earth, what it was like to live with God in him. That's super important. We have to start there. Because the nature of Jesus is the nature of God, the Father. Now, what we know about God is that he is very relational. He has always been relational. He is a father who wants sons and daughters. He's always been connecting to humankind, always. God opened his heart to humanity. And his highest purpose for us in him is not to glorify God. Some of you are going to get tweaked here. That's okay. But to be loved by God. See, 
You could glorify God and be like every other religion. Every other religion glorifies their God. That's their purpose and their goal. Our God is different. Our highest goal is to be loved by this God. Because what happens when we receive the love of the Father, it changes us from the inside out. It changes everything. It changes how we do life. It changes how we see other people. And I think sometimes the hardest job that we have as Jesus followers is receiving the love of the Father. We walk around still, even though we've been adopted, we, we walk around like orphan children who don't know who their daddy is. And that impacts how we live out our faith. I want to be... I want to just, I just, I, I want to be gut level honest with myself and gut level honest with you. Listen, it's a whole lot easier to be religious than it is to be relational. If you follow the rules, which is what religion teaches, you obey the rules and you put the demand on other people, you have a very black and white understanding of God. You're safe. You just do what the rules tell you to do, and you just stay within those boundaries. You don't have to take risks. You don't have to be uncomfortable because you followed the rules. You got your gold ticket. You're going to make it. Unfortunately, there's so much more to faith in this Jesus because God has always demonstrated from the time, from the time Adam hit the earth, God was involved relationally with him. He's always been about relationship, relationship, relationship. And let me tell you, there's a lot of gray in relationship. Am I right? I am very suspect, and the older I grow in my faith and my walk with God, the more suspect I am of people who speak of God in black and whites. I'm not talking about the characteristics of God. He is God. There are some things that will never change. However, there's a lot of stuff that hangs out in the in the in-between that, that the Bible doesn't talk about. Like, for instance, how do you love a son or a daughter who has decided that they're homosexual? Listen, if you spout law to your son or daughter, they will walk away from you and God. This is a tricky situation. We have to learn to navigate the gray. How do we do that? We're relational with God. He speaks. We listen. We obey. We follow through. Prophetic, the prophetic is absolutely essential. And you know, God, as, as Pastor Russ said earlier, he's always speaking. Of course, how could he not be? John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's talking about Jesus there. And I love what Jennifer Toledo uh, says. She's a senior pastor at Expression 58 in L.A. She says, don't tell me you name yourself the word and not like to speak. <laughs> He's always speaking. He's always speaking because there's a lot of gray. And nothing perplexes him. We have to be so connected with him that we're not just hearing what he said, we are hearing what he's saying. It makes a difference. 
Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 in the Passion says, it, I love the title, I put this in my notes. It says, Jesus, this is the subtitle, the language of God. It says, throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many ways, many different ways. This was the old covenant. This was before Jesus died and rose, right? This was before Holy Spirit. It says, the revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us, living in these last days, the last days began when Jesus ascended. We've been in the last days for over 2,000 years. But to us, living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things in all times. What, what, what's, what's the Hebrews writer talking about? We're talking about the prophetic. We're talking about prophecy. Now, One way to define prophecy is it's divine revelation. Now that seems a little uppity. So we will uh, we'll, we'll tackle this here shortly. But let me just go back again to Acts 2.17. I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you. If you have your notes, then you've got the scriptures written there. Um, it says, and it shall be in the last days. The last days. The last days happened when, or the last days began when Jesus died, he rose, and he ascended and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. We are in the last days, all right? God says that I will pour forth my spirit on all of mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Why do I make a big deal about the last days? Well, because there are, um, there are some folks that believe that all of the spiritual gifts were for a certain time. It's called dispensationalism. And what that idea teaches is that that was for the first century church, but it's not for you and me today. And we don't believe that here at Connect. We believe that he is still speaking and he is still moving in the gifts, and we have access to all of them. We see them in operation, okay? They did not become null and void. Now, when it comes to the, pro the prophetic, you can read on it on your own in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians 4. And here's a better way. This is what I like to say about the goal of prophecy. Um, it is this. We see what God sees. We hear what God hears. We speak what God speaks so that we can all love the way God loves. See what God sees, hear what God hears, speak what God speaks so that we can all love the way God loves. The goal, <clears throat> I learned, I, I learned this as I, as I started walking with Holy Spirit. I didn't know about this for so long. And I had an encounter, uh, uh, the first prophetic word, I didn't even know such a thing existed. And uh, this prophetic voice came, and not a voice, <laughs> this man who operates in the prophetic came, and he prophesied over myself and over my husband. And 
He's prophesied over me first. Later, my husband said, it's a good thing you went first or I wouldn't have believed a word of it. Because he said things, he quoted phrases verbatim that I had said in an argument with Ryan the night before. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't really care for it much either. I was like a little bit. But, but it was what we needed. It was exactly what we needed. Because all of a sudden, it blew the lid off of a God who's not only just worth serving, he's a God who's worth engaging with. Now, all of a sudden, he's not religious, he's relational. Now, all of a sudden, there is this download and there's this exchange. And I recognize it because it changed my life. Now that opened the door to, well, how do I get this? Listen, there are a lot of people who come into the kingdom because of the stuff. You know what I mean by stuff? The spiritual gifts. The, the Jesus showing up through you in the midst of an environment and everything changing. They give their lives because they have an expectation that's what it's going to be like. And then they're around other Jesus believers who don't practice. Because listen, this stuff takes practice. We practice hearing God. We're human. We make mistakes. But we have to, we have to be in a situation and in a scenario where, where we are allowing Holy Spirit to get some involvement here. This is the moment, and I think when it comes to the, the prophetic, we overcomplicate it. We're afraid of the term, and so we refuse to believe that it, that it really at least functions through me. And yet, I think we're probably practicing it more than we realize. It's, this is the moment when you're sitting across the table from somebody who is in pain, and you don't know what to say, and you're this, you, you, you send off this little SOS, God, help me. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, there's this flow that happens. There's this, like, all of a sudden, you got this word, and it seems silly, and it seems whatever, but you just like, that's all I got. And so you, you release it, and you say, listen, I, I just know, dot, dot, dot. And you can see that it has shifted something. That was prophetic. We're going to get to the good stuff. I got I to gotta set this up first so that you know what it is so that then we can activate it. All right? I love what Sean Bowles says. He says, uh, which if you've been with me very long, you'll hear me quote him often. I think I taught, I don't know, five or six uh, classes with Translating God written by Sean Bowles. Wonderful, wonderful book if you want to read more about the prophetic. Um, but he says this. He says, prophesying is calling out the gold in others. It takes zero faith to call out the problems. There's nothing holy about it. I don't need somebody to tell me how screwed up I am. I am pretty aware. And if you come at me with, thus saith the Lord, or God says, you're really screwed up, what do you think that's going to do to my perception of God? Listen, we're living in the earth right now where the millennials and the Gen Zers and below and, and younger are not wanting to have anything to do with God because he's been misrepresented. We've been so worried about the sin in people that we've, we've not been 
at all concentrated on loving them. Once again, do you need somebody to tell you where you're sinning? Now, I'm not talking about Jesus' community where sometimes we walk things out and we don't realize that it's going to get us into trouble. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm talking about waving the sign on the, on the metaphorical street saying you're going to hell in a handbasket because you're doing this wrong. That's not prophetic. That's called condemnation. There's no faith in it. We've got to shift gears. And that's totally up to you and me. <clears throat> First Corinthians 14 talks about what prophetic looks like. It says that pro the prophetic is for encouraging, comforting, and strengthening. A prophetic word is a life-giving thing. Another thing that Jen Toledo said recently is she said, she said, uh, you know, the prophetic is seeing Jesus. That's what it is. It, it's communicating Jesus. So if people don't see Jesus in what you're saying, you're not doing it right. When we prophesy, we have to sort of put ourselves in the position of son or daughter with Papa God. That's, listen, that, that's not being disrespectful. He called himself Abba. That's Papa in Hebrew. Because he loves his sons and his daughters, and he wants to speak to you in a way that you will understand. And people hear him differently. But I, we're going to do an exercise real quick. If you have your note cards, and if you don't, you should get one, or maybe you have a piece of paper. You guys got your note cards? If you flip them over, you'll see lines. Yeah, you're not going to get out of here alive. We're going <clears> to <throat> practice this stuff. Here's what we're going to do. I am going to pray, and we're going to invite Holy Spirit to speak. Now, this is super simple, and it's super safe. Don't be scared. You will not have to get up and share. I love to teach prophetic journaling because it's a safe way to practice, and then you can refer back to it. And there are a lot of folks I've, I've, I've worked with that, like, I don't write, I don't journal. That's fine. You could type. You could do a voice memo, whatever you got to do. This morning, I'm just using paper just because it's easier. But what we're going to do is we're going to invite Holy Spirit to speak about you. We're going to ask him to download how he feels about you, his son, his daughter. Now, here's, here's the deal. We are responsible for, what's the word? can't think of the word. We're responsible for making sure that that word, that what we're hearing him say is strengthening, encouraging, comforting. If, if, you get, if you're getting hellfire and damnation, that's not God. He's, he's not going to say mean things to you. He's the best father. None of us have had him, uh, uh, you know, a physical father, quite like our spiritual father. He is the best. He's the dream dad. And he is going to speak to you and say something to you and I know that he will do it because we've done this so many times over the years. He's never failed. So what we're going to do is we're going to give, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm repeating this again. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak right now prophetically to each and every heart. 
I rebuke any sort of opposition, any words um, of self-prejudice or condemnation or whatever it might be that gets in the way. I just rebuke that right now. And I ask for a download. Would you tell your son, your daughter, your thoughts toward them right now? And we're going to give you the next just few minutes to write a few sentences. Holy Spirit, thank you. Okay. Whatever comes to your mind, as long as it's not condemning, I want you to write it down right now. All right. Simple. One of the reasons why I love journaling, and this is why I do this exercise, is because when things are really dark, when things are really hard, it's difficult to see, it's difficult to hear. But you can always remember. So if you have a record of what God has said to you, you can go back to it. Because if it is of God, then it remains. It's solid. Now, can you say, as you evaluate that word, maybe it's simple, maybe you're thinking, this is really dumb, I didn't get anything super mind-blowing. That's okay. Oftentimes, God speaks very simply. Hang on to it anyway. Because there might come a time where you need to see that word, and you don't know it now. But God is faithful to do that. So in looking at what you wrote, <coughs> is it encouraging? Is it strengthening? Is it comforting? If it meets those criteria, you better hang on to that. Listen, we can do an activation, we can do an exercise here that can get you started, but you gotta practice this every single day. You don't have to write it down, you can do it however God moves in you. But you gotta practice hearing what Father is saying, what Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Because there are people around you who will never see another Jesus but what the one that you're carrying. 
And this will help you build up this. And the more you practice it, the more you're like, I know this is God. I know this is God. This is no different than being a bodybuilder. Not that I would know. Um, but if you're going to build muscles, you got to work out, right? You gotta, you gotta build up strength. You gotta train. It's no different with the prophetic. Okay, you guys good? You're very quiet. Okay, good. Now we're gonna move on to our job in the prophetic. Our, I don't consider it a job, actually. I think it is so much fun. Um, <clears throat> we are supposed to be relational. People, just as God is relational God. None of us gets an out because we're introverted. Sorry. There's nowhere in the scripture that it says, well, go and, and love everybody unless you'd be more comfortable at home with a cup of tea and a movie playing. Um, no, we are all called to make a difference in the world, and that requires peopling. Okay? Matthew 28 says, now wherever you go, this was the last thing Jesus said in the book of Matthew. It's called the Great Commission. It's great, basically his greatest instruction to us. He said this, now wherever you go, make disciples of all nations. See, we kind of back down from that right there because we're thinking disciples, like there were 12. I'm not sure I want to... Making disciples means your life should be such that people want to learn how you're doing it. Living out your faith should have that fruit in it. Okay? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day even to the completion of this age. Jennifer Toledo says, hear God for yourself and out of the overflow, God will give you something for somebody else. This is why what you do with God matters. You can't dip out of an empty vessel, right? This is, by the way, this is telling people their true story. When we talk about prophesying, we talk about loving people really well in the prophetic, um, calling the gold out in people is telling them their true story. Jesus was marked by this. He was never offended by the people he came into contact with. There is no account of him saying, no, I'm sorry, you better clean up your act before I have anything to do with you. In fact, he broke just about every pharisaical rule that there was in that day. Did you know that even looking at a woman face-to-face -face was illegal for Jews? And yet Mary and Martha referred to Jesus as rabbi. He taught them. This, this was a man, and remember, this was God in skin. This was a man who said, I don't care about all of the boundaries. What I'm after is people's hearts. So if you're too offended to talk to somebody because they're not clean enough, that's not Jesus, sorry. Jesus was never intimidated by the filth he ran into. He was moved by compassion because at the, at the root of it all was a love that says, I want you to know my father. Listen, we are called to be that way. 
That's who we are. Jesus did this with the woman at the well. If you can remember, not only was she a, a Samaritan, which the Jews were not even supposed to acknowledge, she was also a woman. And she was a messed up woman. He still sat with her. He still took water from her. He didn't wait for people to qualify so that then they could become what he said. That's, that was never his M.O. Do you know, um, there was this experiment that came out. This was years back. I read about this, and it was in an elementary school. And what they did is they took kids that were, they, what they did was they, uh, they tested their IQs. And they had the gifted and talented kids, and then they had the kids that were, quote-unquote, slow. They were academically really struggling. And what they did was they swapped the labels. And the teachers didn't know who was who? All they could see was the labels those kids came in with. And so they would teach to the label that was on that child. And did you know that at the end of this experiment, the children who were supposedly slow had risen and they were functioning as gifted and talented children. The reverse happened with the gifted and talented children whose IQs were phenomenal. Because of the label put on them, they failed to exceed, to excel, I should say. Do you know that what you say over people matters? You can damn people with your judgment to the degree that they cannot rise. It's wrong. This is that verse that says, like, like salt water and fresh water don't flow from the same source. This is what I'm talking about. Prophecy is so powerful because it is the quickest way to impact someone with the love of God. You're not just saying a good word. You're actually creating an encounter. I say you, and I because I can hear people saying, oh, oh, listen, God wants to participate with us. We have to give the yes or things don't happen. God can do whatever he does or whatever he wants to do, but he loves to partner with his kids. We have to make the space for him to do that. And prophecy is the quickest way for someone to know that there is a God, that that God knows who they are specifically, and that he loves them. Are you prophesying? Luke 5, 1 through 11. Let me read this to you. This really caught my eye this week. You've all heard the story. You've all heard this account, but just hang with me. On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to a crowd on the shore of Lake Galilee. A vast multitude of people was pushing to get close to Jesus to hear the word of God. He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge with the fishermen nearby rinsing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter, and he said to him, let me use your boat. He was not a fisherman. Here he is, 
stepping in somebody else's lane, that Jesus, push it off a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowd. Jesus could always speak in no matter what occupation. Jesus sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished, he said to Peter, now, row out to deep water to cast your nets and you'll have a great catch. Master, Peter replied, we've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, we'll go out again. You cute Jesus, you. It's almost like, and let down our nets because of your word. I mean, I, I just picture this seasoned fisherman who has spent all night busting his back to pull in something, anything, and he's had nothing happen. And here this guy is in his boat who doesn't even belong there, and he's going to tell him what to do. I mean, I, I'm just saying if it were me. When they pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish and their nets were ready to burst. They waved to their business partners in the other boat to help. They ended up completely filling both boats with fish until they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, go away from me, master, for I am a sinful man. In that moment, he recognized God. And he said, I'm not qualified to share the same space with you. Simon Peter and the other fishermen, including his fishing partners, Jacob, which is James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, were awestruck over the miracle catch of fish. And Jesus answered, listen, do not yield to your fear, Simon Peter. From now on, you will catch men for salvation. And after pulling their boats to the shore, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. I want to propose to you this morning the reason that you or I are not going out and prophesying is because we are afraid. Robbie Dawkins recently in, the, in a, a recent movie, he said, he said that uh, Americans are afraid of being laughed at. That's their greatest fear. That's tragic, but it's true. But Jesus said, don't yield to your fear. He's talking, about, he's talking about doing life with him. G Peter's like, I am not qualified for you to speak into me, for you to do anything through me. Like, I know who I am, and I am not deserving of this. There are a lot of people who will say, well, God would never use me. He would never prophesy through me, because like Peter, I don't deserve it. I recognize that he's God. And I so am not. God would never, ever speak through me. And yet Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're going to get over this, and you are going to lead so many, even to this day. The life of Peter leads people into faith. Even today. You know, and Peter was a major screw-up. He was a difficult dude. He, he wrestled with arrogance. He wrestled with, with insecurity. And yet here he is, a history maker in the faith. What? If he could do it, if Jesus could do that through Peter, could Jesus do that for you or is he just not God enough for you? 
We have to shut down fear. And, and I know you're saying, yeah, but um, that's, that's not about leading to people. Or that's not, uh, but that's about leading people to Jesus, but it's not about prophecy. No, no, it's the same thing. That's what prophecy is. Remember, it's an encounter with Jesus. That's what it is. Revelation 19.10. I fell at his feet to worship him, but he wouldn't let me. This was an angel. Don't do that, he said. I'm a servant just like you and like your brothers and sisters who hold to the witness of Jesus. And get this, the witness of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When someone sees the Jesus in you, that's prophetic. And yet, 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 80% of all Christians do not consistently witness, witness for Christ. Less than 2% are involved in the ministry of evangelism or what we're calling people fishing. I don't think it's because we're bad people. I think we're afraid. And I think that it also goes back to this understanding that God really is so good that he's worth living for. And if he's worth living for, he's worth talking about. I mean, man, I have zero problem telling you about the latest makeup trend that I think is phenomenal because I'm getting old. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you gotta try this eye stuff. Man, it works great. I'm more excited and I'm more passionate about that then I am saying, you got to find this. Jesus has changed my life. Where are you at in prophesying? Listen, we don't, we don't get to throw this out. We don't, we don't get to opt out. Because if prophecy is the witness of Jesus, then that is the gospel. You don't go solo. Holy Spirit goes with you. Yeah, we don't call it the spirit of prophecy. We don't call it prophetic when you say, you know what, Jesus loves you. Let me tell you, you've heard something from Holy Spirit to say that. That's prophetic. Can we just get over the fear and the intimidation of prophecy? We function in it all the time. And I am challenging you to, to pick it up and use it more. Got to get out of our heads. You know, I have worked in teaching uh, the prophetic for many years now and because it was so mind-blowing to me. Sean Bowles, the guy that wrote Translating God, he's amazing. He can give you your social security number. I'm not there yet. I just want you to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Do I want to be? Oh, yes, I do. Because if if if... If God would show up in such a phenomenal way for somebody, I don't have to explain who he is. They already know, whoa, I didn't tell you that. That came from God. We innately know as people that there is a God. Some of us don't want to recognize it, but we know there's something because he is the spark of life that's within us, whether we acknowledge him or not. And there's something about us that's hungry. And I, I want to say that, you know, sometimes... We are so, oh, I'm, I'm running out of time. We are so concerned about how we appear that we are not giving people a glimpse of who he is. And we have to stop that because people know that there is spiritualism out there. It initially started with God. God is the ultimate spirit. 
Am I right? So we worry that, that maybe when we, when we reach out at Catapalooza and we give a word to somebody that maybe they're going to reject it and they're going to say, that's stupid. Listen, they know that spiritualism is real. There is a growing number of people subscribing to witchcraft. Why? Because spiritualism is real and they know it. And they have not been taught that Jesus is spirit too. The Holy Spirit does some amazing things. Now, each of you has a number. I am told that some of you were very scared to take a number. I think that's funny. We have numbers between one and 147. Connor, could you do me a favor? I want to I want to start with this first and then I'm going to have you ask your Siri to give you a number between 1 and 147. But I'm going to start with this one because God God and this is what I do in, in this is what we practice in our prophetic stuff because we always want to practice hearing it. I need to tell you I could get it wrong. I'm human. I make mistakes, but you can't stone me. It's illegal. Okay? And anyway, that's old covenant. We are practicing hearing God, and I can get it wrong. I can make mistakes. If I get it wrong, please tell me, but don't be mean to me. Just, I will ask you. I'll, I'll interview you. Okay, and I'm going to do this as quickly as possible because I know we're going late. I'm so sorry. The number 45, don't tell me who you are. The number 45 uh, began weighing on my heart a couple of days ago. And I don't know who was given the number 45. The reason why I do this kind of thing is because it takes the pressure off. I don't know anything about you. I have no idea who you are, where you came from, because you're just a number to me. But God knows who you are. Do you think that he could have a word for a number that's completely random to me? Well, we're going to find out. So Holy Spirit, you know who number 45 is. And you care about them. I felt like with, as I was praying for, for number 45, whoever you are, I felt like there have been some complications in your work, in your job maybe. And I, I, I just feel like the encouragement of the Father who's just sitting with you and saying, listen, I do want better for you than this. And I want you to know that I'm engaged in this situation, that there is a breakthrough that's coming. And don't get discouraged and don't quit before you see it happen. Because there's a temptation to move because the pressure's on. And I, I just, I, I feel like the encouragement of the Lord is, listen, you've been faithful and I trust you to do the job that I've set you to do. Don't quit. Hang in there. Okay, now here's, see, this didn't cost you guys anything. It cost me a lot. Because the price we pay is what? Risk. So who was number 45? Number 45, okay. You were number 45. Stand up, Colin. I won't make you come up here. Okay, now, I got something about job. Now, does that have anything to do with you whatsoever. This is the interview part. This is why I don't say, thus saith the Lord. How do you argue with that? 
Okay, so Colin, did that word make any sense to you at all? Okay, that's an honest feedback. I have to give Colin the rights to reject that word. I, that's really interesting to me. I could totally, I could totally, <laughs> that was for you, wasn't it? Um, let me pray for you. Jesus, what do you want to say to Colin? Oh, Colin, you know you're a world changer? Your life is marked by it. And how you do the little things in between matter because people are watching you. Not just your peers, but other people are watching you. There's an unusual gifting on your life. And in this next year, you're going you're gonna to see some changes that happen, like even friend changes. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just hang in there. And I want you to know that what you do when nobody's looking matters to me. It matters to me. And if no one ever says to you, great job, Colin, great job for doing that thing, I want you to know that I say to you, great job. I love what you're doing. And I'm not just talking about the fasting thing and the reading the scriptures. There are some other things that you're changing, even about the way that you do sports. There are some, some little changes that maybe nobody else even knows about that you said, I'm going to do that differently. And... God is so proud of you. He's so proud of you. Now, does that hit? Does that make sense to you, that word? Okay. Uh, does it hit specifically at all? I mean, I know there were a lot of nice things in that, but what I'm going for is, could you tell that God had you in mind when he spoke that to you? Okay. Now, I'm not going to put Colin anymore on the spot. The next person I might. Thank you. Thank you. Some of the greatest prof uh, prophets in our midst are children. We have, to, we have to create a culture that invites them to legitimately share what God is giving to them. Okay, so I missed it. I missed it. All right, here's what I would like to do because we are out of time. What I would like to do is I would like to have those of you, I want pairs. I want pairs of folks who practice prophesying to come up here and you get to work with a, with a buddy. So you're not going to be on your own. I'm not going to mic you. If you would just stand and be ready to prophesy over someone in prayer, Listen, if you have never experienced a prophetic word, if no one has ever given you a word like that, then this is the moment because maybe it requires that you experience it before you give it away. All right? So if you want to partner, partner with somebody who doesn't have a partner. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You can join with this, this group here. All right, so now we need some brave people who will allow these folks to practice hearing God. Who's it going to be? Come and get it. Come and get it while it's hot. 
Awesome. Awesome. Please don't let these people leave. They're giving you their yes, and it takes courage. Okay. We need two more. Two more. Two more. There's one. One more. You're going to come? Are you going to come? No. Okay. Kids, you can come and get this too. This isn't just for grown-ups. Now, if you're coming up and they're all taken, just stand in line because you'll be next. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to popcorn it, teams. And what this means is we're going to just, we're just going to allow Holy Spirit to flow the way that he wants, to move the way that he wants. All right? So let's just pray right now. I'm going to pray for you guys. Jesus Give them a download for the person that's right in front of them. You love this person. You died for this person. There's nothing you wouldn't do for them. So you understand where they're coming from, and you have plans for them too. I ask that you'd speak clearly to these who are stepping into a position of risk, and that you would bless it that it would bear fruit. In Jesus' name.